The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you now? Uh, well, I mean, I guess maybe a, a little bit better if what you want is for the Montreal Canadiens to be earning a few points this season because uh, your Montreal Canadiens lose, this time in overtime by a score of 3-2 to two to the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and uh, I'm honestly, I'm disappointed. I mean, I, I'm kind of slowly uh, pushing myself into Team Tank, right? Like, uh, hoping that they, they continue to lose so that we can potentially get, uh, you know, the best possible chance at that first overall draft pick. But um, at the same time, I, I can never you know, fully commit myself to Team Tank because I prefer uh, watching my team win games and they came really close to getting one uh, on this particular night. Uh, so, anyways, game starts off and it's a pretty good first period for the Montreal Canadiens, honestly. Uh, Philippe Dano is getting booed pretty mercilessly by the Bell Centre faithful. I don't really know why. Uh, it's not really his fault that he left. It's not like he demanded a trade or anything like that, but... Uh, they did give him a nice cheer for the tribute video that they showed on the Jumbotron, so that was a nice moment, and the booze seemed to subside a little bit uh, from that point on, and the Montreal Canadiens honestly taking control of this game in the first period, uh, getting more of the chances, getting more of the shots on goal, and eventually it pays off. They uh, have a missed chance from Alturi Lekonen. They get some zone time out of it. They get a Ben Sherratt shot on goal. Can't go. Lekonen can't get to the rebound. Bounces out back to Ben Sherratt, and he hammers it home. It is one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens. We're feeling pretty good. We got ourselves a first-period lead. Unfortunately, RDS uh, Réseau des Sports pointed out after the first period that the Montreal Canadiens had an even goal differential this season in first periods. But in the other two periods, the second and third, that is, if we're keeping count, they have a goal differential of minus 18. Just in case you wondered what the problem was with this team, it's really not the first period. Really, they should ask to end all games after one period, uh, and they might have a pretty good record. Uh, but that's not the way it works, unfortunately. In the real world, you got to p- play your uh, your full 60 minutes. And, uh, yeah, it, it started to go off the rails for the Habs in the second period. Uh, they get an early penalty, but they manage to kill it off. But right after it ends, uh, Brendan Lemieux from the left side skates in and beats Jake Allen, makes it 1-1. to That's a shot Jake Allen probably should have had, but I'm willing to grant him that because he made some other very good saves in this particular game. Uh, point being... This is kind of where it went off the rails for the Habs because uh, they that's all they gave up 
right? The second period ended with a score one to one, but they were dominated by the Kings in that frame, like handily dominated. Uh, the shots were seventeen to five for the Kings. They completely took over. Um, not a good look. Uh, definitely not what you want to see. And you had a strong feeling that going into the third period, uh, maybe it was going to continue to be more of that. And sure as God's got sandals, six seconds in to the third period, Alexia Fallo sent in on the left side uh, just makes an absolute mockery of David Savard. Uh, and then he beats Jake Allen and makes it two to one. And it's like, all right, well, we're right back here again. Aren't we? We're going to see this again. We're going to see them lose this game five or six to one or something. Um, but a little bit of, you know, bullshit, shall we, shall we say, happens later on in the period. And it seems to wake the Habs up. This whole saga between Michael Pizzetta and uh, Brennan Lemieux, um, it's, it's like Lemieux was trying to start fights all night long. And then Pizzetta came in and was like, I'm your Huckleberry. And he's like, no, I very don't want to fight you. And Pizzetta, to his you know, in his defense, um, the, Lemieux dive, he dove twice, right? They called the first one. They didn't call the second one. So then Pizzetta goes to the box and it's like, all right, this is where it's going to happen. You know, the Kings are going to score. They're going to make it three to one. And things are going to get out of hand. Uh, but it doesn't. That whole saga seemed to wake the Habs up. And all of a sudden, you know, they start playing like they've got something. Uh, they got something they want to win here. They want to get back into it. And all of a sudden, they're getting more chances. They're starting to climb back into the shot race uh, that they seem to lose every goddamn game that they play. Uh, but they're starting to get back into it. And then Jake Evans scores probably the best goal he's going to score in his entire career. I mean, he comes in on the right side against Tobias Bjornfoot. And he goes inside, outside, deke on him, right? So he cuts to the inside with a toe drag and then immediately cuts back to the outside, uh, kind of windmills it a little bit to get over there. And he turned him around, completely undressed him. And then I swear he no looked to the shot. I swear he wasn't even looking at the net when he took the shot and fires it top cheddar. I mean, it, you could try that a hundred times. And, you know, in, unless you're Alexander Ovechkin or... Uh, Austin Matthews, you're probably only going to score like once or twice out of 100 on that exact move. And Jake Evans did it. It was absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I love that, and I would love to see more of that from him. But it's 2-2. Two to two. Habs are back in it. We're tie game. You telling me they're actually going to win a game? They're going to snap the win streak that the Kings got going on right now? Philippe Dano takes a penalty with just over two minutes left in the third period, and oh my god, we got a power play, we could end this game right now? No. Nobody scores. We go into overtime. Habs are the better team through overtime for most of the four minutes or whatever that they ended up playing. But Adrian Kempa uh, does a big loop around the offensive zone, uh, cuts into the net, puts it in, and the Habs lose. 3-2. to two. Kings get to keep their winning streak going, and the Montreal Canadiens, uh, they get one point in the standings. Not that that point is, uh, you know, probably going to end up being all that important, but uh, it could hurt them in the Shane Wright sweepstakes. And I think, honestly, uh, like I said, it's hard for me to be full-on Team Tank. I know there's a lot of us Habs fans that are full-on Team Tank, um, and, and I'm, I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm getting there. 
I'm watching this team, even in this particular game, you know, like they, they didn't really deserve to get to overtime per se, right? Jake Allen made a couple of really big saves. Um, Jake Evans scored that ridiculous goal. And like realistically, when you're, when you spend, when you, when you have a good first period and then you spend most of the rest of the game just getting easily outshot, giving the game back to your opponent, it's, it's similar to kind of what they did against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, right? Really good first period. Oh, we're going to drop off. We're going to let them get back in it. And then we don't have the medal to do anything about it once they once they take over the game. So, I mean, I get closer uh, every day to, uh, to, to, to full-on joining Team Tank. And, and I got to say, I'm almost there. Um, I'm, I'm looking at Shane Wright as a player. Like, I, I've been, <laughs> not going to lie, I spent some time yesterday evening looking at some of his highlights and stuff and I'm like man this kid is legit I I really think there's been a lot of talk about him being on a little bit of a slow start but he has like 16 points in 12 games or something like that as of right now so I mean it's not it's not like a bad start it's not like he's got no points through 12 games uh he's just not scoring at the crazy rate that you might expect from somebody who's expected to go first overall I mean this could be a transformational player for the franchise I mean, if, if we're going to be bad, we might as well be all the way bad. The last thing we need is to be just bad enough that, you know, we get the 10th overall pick, right? I say, you know, if this team's going to be bad, let's make it as bad as humanly possible and we'll, you know, watch them get the best possible chance in the lottery. Obviously, nothing's guaranteed, but, you know, you can improve your chances a little bit. And how do you do that? Well, um, remember what I said in the last couple of episodes, I'm always going to try to give a silver lining. My silver lining for this particular game is Ben Sherratt. Uh, ben Sherratt scored a goal, had a number of really good opportunities. His trade value has got to be up there right now, especially with the you know the premium that people are paying for defensemen. Um, he has a pretty manageable contract. I think contenders who need a little bit of help on the blue line are going to look at a guy like Ben Sherratt, the way he's playing, and they're going to say, well, we could use that. And I think you could absolutely get a pretty favorable deal for the Montreal Canadiens in trading him. Uh, so it's it's unfortunate that my silver lining for the game has to be somebody that I think has really just increased his trade stock. But alas, that's where we're at right now. And I also have to address another defenseman who was absolutely terrible and who is probably not tradable whatsoever at this point. And that is David Savard. Mon cher David, c'est vraiment bon de voir des joueurs québécois sur le Canadien. On sait que l'année passée, ça a été vraiment difficile pour certains mondes de ne pas voir des Québécois sur euh, le Canadien de Montréal. Mais tabarnak! Play a little bit better. He got embarrassed by uh, Iafalo on that third period goal. Six seconds in, absolutely embarrassed. I mean, I don't know what line he was trying to take there, but he took the wrong line and then he just got beat to the outside. Um, Iafalo poked it around and made him, look like a, made him look like a peewee player. I mean, it was terrible. This is yet another, as, I mean, uh, last episode, I didn't want to dump on this contract because honestly, I do think that when you look at the market for defensemen, how much people were getting paid, how much Darn- Darnell Nurse got, um, how much Seth Jones got, how much defensemen were getting in general, so much money, right? When you looked at that contract, you were like, okay, that's that's not bad. We can eat that, Right. He can't be so bad that that contract ends up being a bad contract. And guess what? It is. It looks like a bad contract. One game later, and I'm already ready to declare it a bad contract. 
And let's face it, Marc Bergevin has a pretty spotty history with signing defensemen. The good news is Romanov looks like he's uh, turning a corner, but that that contract for Savard is is a problem. It is. I, I don't think it's going to be very movable with the way he's playing. Maybe it is. Maybe his Stanley Cup experience uh, somehow makes it possible for them to make a move there. But again, <clears throat> you know, I, I didn't want to do a, a fire anybody rant today, but fire Marc Bergevin. Fire him. I'm only going to say it those two times. And then we'll move on. Because uh, there's one last thing that I wanted to talk about today, and it has nothing to do with the game. Um, it's just because I've, I've been a f- huge fan of this man since I was like 13 years old, and I respect him deeply. Um, Carey Price came out today and uh, put out a statement saying that the reason he's been away from hockey is he's been dealing with some substance use and mental health issues. And uh, he left the game and uh, presumably even his family behind for a little bit to go into a treatment center. And I just can't, you know, express how much I respect him for for coming out and saying that. He didn't have to. He absolutely didn't. He owed it to nobody to come out and, and tell us why he's been away from hockey. He owed it to nobody, especially not dickhead asshats like Jack Todd from the Montreal Gazette who came out and were saying that he was supposed to come out and tell us what's going on. Like, no, he's not, right? I should probably mention at this point that this is a podcast conceived entirely by myself and my views do not reflect those of SB Nation or Vox Media. But that being said, uh, Jack Todd is an asshat. And I uh, really didn't like his take on Carey Price, but I really respect Carey Price for coming out and making that statement anyways. I hope to God that he didn't feel pressured by anyone, especially some asshats at the Montreal Gazette, um, to make that statement. I hope that that was completely of his own volition, and I believe that it was. Uh, and I respect him greatly for, for speaking out about it, because honestly, if he had said nothing, uh, I would have lost not an ounce or shred of respect for him as a hockey player or as a man. Um, because I've admired him for, you know, half my life at this point. And um, nothing's going to change about that. And I'm just glad that he's getting the help he needs. I hope we see him back soon. And I I hope that it's on his terms. You know, I hope he's ready to come back when he comes back. Um, Because obviously that's important. He needs to make sure, you know, as a father, I understand he's got to take care of himself and his family before anything else. You know, hockey can wait. It can wait. Um, That's it. For today, we're going to end it on a nice negative note. Well, not a negative note. We're praising Carey Price. We're not praising Jack Todd. So negative towards Jack Todd, positive towards Carey Price. Ha <laughs> um, We're running what? Uh, about 15 minutes. So, uh, we are on Spotify, Megaphone, Google Play, Apple. Um, I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you again. And as always, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.